welcome to another episode of the Average Joe Football Show. I'm your host, Joe Fair. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we've officially done it. We've officially made it through uh, the majority of the NFL offseason. We've made it through free agency. Uh, we've made it through the NFL draft. And we've gotten to sort of the slow period of uh, the NFL offseason where there's not going to be a whole lot of news. There's still a couple outliers, uh, still a couple of things that we could see happen. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe could still be traded at some point. Um, Cam Newton still has yet to sign. So there are some news. And obviously with the whole COVID-19 pandemic, um, we're going to get uh, a bunch of news about that. And, you know, we're not even sure yet if we're going to have a normal NFL season. Uh, it, it certainly uh, will be different this year with the whole pandemic. So, But this is around the time when most uh, football analysts, most football podcasts kind of take a break. But here at the Average Joe Football Show, we're just going to continue to work harder. This is, I think, when our job is going to get a little bit harder because we're, gonna, uh, we're not going to have as much content just given to us that, to talk about. So we're going to try to create our own content and keep you guys, uh, you football fans, entertained during the slow period of the NFL season. And since we've made it through the signing periods and the NFL draft, we're kind of moving into the end of the NFL offseason. So I'm gonna, a lot of people are giving their grades right now, giving grades to teams on how they did this offseason, how they did during this draft. We decided to go... A little bit different here, uh, we're going to do NFL superlatives for NFL teams. So we're going to do things like most improved, uh, most likely to succeed, class clown. We're going to just have a little fun with this. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll get a few laughs, have some fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to grade some teams on how they did this NFL offseason. But before we get into any of that, we're going to have to go over a little bit of news. There was actually some news that came in during this last week. Uh, so without further ado, let's just jump straight into the news. First up in the news, we have Andy Dalton finally, mercifully, being released by the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals obviously uh, drafted their future quarterback in Joe Burrow during the 2020 NFL Draft. And we've known that for months now, that Andy Dalton no longer has a future there in Cincinnati. Some people thought that maybe he would stay there and, and mentor uh, Joe Burrow for a year. But this week he asked for his release, and his release was granted uh, shortly after. Uh, and uh, not that long after his release, uh, I think it was a day or two after his release, the Cowboys actually signed him to a one-year deal uh, worth $3 million uh, guaranteed. Uh, but with uh, incentives, he could make up to $7 million. This was definitely sort of a surprising signing. Uh, a lot of people expected Andy Dalton to sign with the Jaguars. I thought he would go somewhere like Jacksonville. Some people thought maybe New England. I think New England is at this point too prideful to go out and draft or sign another quarterback. I think Bill Belichick just wants to roll with what he's got and show everybody, puff his chest out, show everybody, hey, look at me, look how great I am. Um, but... I think it's a good spot for, for Andy Dalton and for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, they're a team right now that is is competing. They want to compete for Super Bowls right now. Jerry Jones is desperate to compete because we don't know how many years that guy has left on this planet. He wants to win another Super Bowl. And I think the be best luxury you can have on a potential Super Bowl contender is to have a capable backup quarterback. And Andy Dalton is by far one of the most capable backup quarterbacks now in the NFL I think it's a really good thing for Dak Prescott have Andy Dalton come in there, come back to Texas where he played his college ball, uh, and and mentor uh, Dak Prescott. And all of a sudden, if all of a sudden Dak Prescott cannot play due to injury or whatever uh, is going on, 
Uh, you can have Andy Dalton come in and have there not be a dramatic drop-off from the starter. But uh, overall, yeah, I think it's a good signing for both for both sides. I During this release, during Andy Dalton's release, my, my immediate thought was I went to the Bears. And I uh, the Chicago Bears this offseason traded, I believe, a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles uh, to come in and compete for the starting job with Mitch Trubisky. And when Andy Dalton got cut, I just I was thinking to myself, how much Bears fans, how much the Bears organization, how how must they be feeling that they traded pretty early in the uh, NFL offseason, in the free agency period, they traded a fourth round pick for Nick Foles and uh, a pretty big contract at that. Uh, they traded a fourth round pick for that when later on in the offseason, guys like Cam Newton and Andy Dalton were available on the, on the open market uh, just to just to go and grab without having to give up any draft picks. And the Bears are already a team that doesn't have a whole lot of draft picks. So to me, I don't know, I, I think if I was the Bears, I'd be kicking myself because to me, I think Andy Dalton and Cam Newton are both upgrades over Nick Foles. We haven't seen Nick Foles, other than that uh, big-time Super Bowl run, we haven't seen him really be a consistent starting quarterback for seasons at a time. And we've seen that with guys like Cam Newton. Cam Newton is a former MVP Andy Dalton has had, you know, he gets a lot of hate, uh, and he's not the most fantastic quarterback. He's not a spectacular talent like Cam Newton was in his prime, but he's a con he's just a game manager. He's a consistent quarterback. He's put together some pretty pretty good seasons in Cincinnati, constantly winning seasons. They couldn't obviously get it done in the playoffs, but to me, if I'm the Chicago Bears, if I'm a Chicago Bears fan, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in trading a fourth round pick for Nick Foles when you could have had Andy Dalton or Cam Newton, or Jameis Winston at the time when he was still a free agent. You could have had any of these guys uh, off the street without having to give up a pick. But that's enough on the Chicago Bears rant for today. Next up in the news, we had Brett Favre this week uh, going on the Rich Eisen show, and he was talking Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers uh, is speculated to not be too happy right now with the Green Bay Packers organization. So Brett Favre this week is on the Rich Eisen show and he's talking uh, about the conversation that he had with Aaron Rodgers directly after the Jordan Love pick. And I think he had some interesting things to say. Uh, at one point during the interview, he said um, he feels, uh, in quotes, uh, Rodgers will play somewhere else before career is over. And um, he said other things like, I guarantee you the Jordan Love pick got the wheels turning in Aaron's mind. Uh, and he was saying things like Aaron Rodgers only needed an excuse to play somewhere else in his career. And I think this is this is interesting news because um, Brett Favre talked directly to Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre has been in this exact same situation. So if Brett Favre is giving Aaron Rodgers advice, I think it's I think it's advice that hey, you can go play somewhere else. And I think I completely agree with what Brett Favre was saying this week. Uh, I think it's more likely than not at this point that Aaron Rodgers does play for a different team. I don't see him ending his career in Green Bay. I mean, if you look at it uh, logically, Aaron Rodgers only uh, still has four years left on his contract, his contract extension that he signed a few years back. He still has four years on his contract. You look at Jordan Love, uh, he's a first-round pick. That's a four-year contract with a fifth-year option. Uh, you're going to want to get Jordan Love on the field before those four years are up and know what you have before you try to pick up that fifth-year option, before you try to sign Jordan Love to a contract extension. So there's no use on him riding the bench with Aaron Rodgers uh, playing too. So I think it's if – I, if, if I'm – a better right now. I I'm absolutely betting that Aaron Rodgers ends his career somewhere else in Green Bay. I think he has an out, a potential out in his contract in 2022. Um, so that's still a couple years down the line. I think he'll play 
at least one or two more seasons with Green Bay before they find a way to ship him out of town. I think it's a guarantee at this point that Aaron Rodgers does not finish his career in Green Bay. Uh, I think right now it's just a matter of if he gets traded or if he gets released. And we have a huge uh, Aaron Rodgers free agent tour, which would be absolutely fantastic content for the podcast. So let's keep our fingers crossed that that happens. And then we go into a little bit more news. This, this is hardly enough news to even make the news round, but I, I figured I'd put it in here. The Dolphins trade former first-round pick Charles Harris to the Atlanta Falcons for a 2021 seventh-round pick. And anytime you're trading a former first-round pick for a seventh-round pick, uh, you know things probably didn't work out. Charles Harris was, I talked about just a few shows ago, a fantastic bust. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins. He has three and a half sacks on eight starts in three seasons in Miami. Just a, another in the long list of first round busts, long list of first round defensive end busts that the Miami Dolphins have had. Uh, hopefully Dan Quinn in Atlanta can can get something, get the wheels turning for Charles Harris, but he just hasn't been impressive at all. Hasn't really lived up whatsoever to that first round billing that he had uh during the draft. So yeah, Charles Harris moving on. And moving on to the final uh, object of news, we have the fifth year options are being um, picked up or declined this week. So basically, for those of you that don't know what the fifth year option is, first round picks, uh, they have a four year contract, like I just talked about with Jordan Love, a four year contract with a potential for a fifth year option that you can pick up uh, at the end of their uh, at the end of their contract. Um, so teams have to decide whether or not they want to have the guy around for another year after his four-year contract is up at a little bit of a higher salary. So um, we're not going to go over all the fifth-year options. I mean, for the most part, it's not all that entertain entertaining. I mean, for the most part, the guys that you think would get their fifth-year option picked up got their fifth-year option picked up. The guys that you would expect to not get their fifth-year option picked up did not get their fifth-year option picked up. But uh, let's go over a few names here. Uh, guys who did get their fifth-year option picked up. Tight end O.J. Howard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was a little bit of, of a surprise. Um, he has asked for a trade. He doesn't want to be in Tampa Bay anymore. Obviously, they signed Rob Gronkowski. Then they have Cameron Bright there. Two really good tight ends already. Um, so I'm curious to see if he still is going to get traded um, or if he sticks around to be an insurance policy for a guy like Rob Gronkowski. Also, um, another... One that did not get picked up is uh, running back Leonard Fournette. Uh, his, along with defensive lineman Solomon Thomas, Corey Davis, and Mitch Trubisky, all didn't have their fifth-year option picked up. Um, obviously, Leonard Fournette, I, th I don't think that guy's going to be on the, the day one roster in Jacksonville. I think he gets released. I don't think anybody's going to trade for him. Uh, I don't know what kind of trade value a running back like that has right now. I don't think there's any. Uh, we're seeing rumors that nobody's really interested in trading for Leonard Fournette, and that makes sense. Why would you trade for a one-dimensional running back right now when running backs are completely devalued? So I think I don't think Leonard Fournette's going to be on that roster, and a guy like Corey Davis hasn't quite lived up to the first-round billing that he had. Um, he was outplayed by uh, rookie A.J. Brown last year, so you know he doesn't get his fifth-year option picked up, and quarterback Mitch Trubisky doesn't get... His fifth-year option picked up. This is not too big of a surprise, but it, you know, in a in a sense, it's the Chicago Bears saying, unless something spectacular happens this season, Mitch Trubisky is not the future quarterback for us in Chicago, and that makes sense. I mean, he had an absolutely awful season last year after MVP hype prior to the season, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous prior to the season. But 
Yeah, Mitch Trubisky doesn't get his um, his fifth-year option picked up. And that kind of wraps up the news. Uh, not too much news, but without further ado, we're going to jump right into the fun segment that we have today. Uh, let's go into NFL superlatives. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the final uh, award show for the NFL offseason. We're going to give uh, some pointless, arbitrary awards to some of the teams uh this NFL offseason, some of the teams that we thought did a good job, some of the teams that we thought didn't do a very good job. Uh, these are awards strictly based off my opinion, um, so you can put as much weight as you want into that. But without, you know, beating around the bush for too long, we're going to get right into the first award, which is the most improved award. This was, <laughs> this has always been an interesting award to get in school, uh, getting the most improved award, because uh, you know, at first glance, it's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm getting an award. Thank you guys so much. But then it's also like, okay, but how bad was I at the beginning of, this, of the school year? How bad was I at the beginning? And have I improved to the point where I'm actually really good? Or have I just gotten less uh, sucky than I was at the beginning? <laughs> but I guess you can kind of give your opinion on this NFL team. But, you know, uh, we have a couple honorable mentions for this award, uh, we have a, the Miami Dolphins. I thought they did a pretty good job improving this offseason. They had a borderline CFL roster last year with very, very little talent. Uh, they did a lot to improve, just getting bodies in there, getting capable NFL players in. Uh, another team is the Arizona Cardinals. I thought they did a really good job uh, this offseason with some of the signings that they had. Obviously, getting DeAndre Hopkins to improve that um to improve that offense and also uh, I thought they did a really good job in the draft got a couple steals uh, Isaiah Simmons got uh, uh, Josh Jones in like in the third round I believe when he was projected to be a first round guy so those are a couple of guys but but there can only be one most improved team and the most improved award goes to drum roll please The Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, the team with the very first overall pick in the draft. I thought this team did a really good job improving this offseason. Uh, they were obviously the worst team in the NFL last season. They had the number one overall pick. Uh, and I think this team has gone from being a team with a team and an organization and a fan base with, with no hope. A team that uh, looked bleak uh, a, a lot of um, rumors for a long time have come out that this team doesn't want to try to win. This team doesn't value winning. They value saving money over winning. This offseason, I thought they did a really good job changing that narrative. Uh, during the free agency period, they went out and signed uh, DJ Reader, who's one of the best interior def defensive linemen in the NFL. They signed him. They signed a couple corners, a couple younger corners in Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, they brought in Von Bell at safety, Josh Bynes. Uh, and I thought they did a really, really good job in the draft. I, they really signed some great value. They got, obviously, Joe Burrow, the future of your NFL franchise, the future CEO of, of the football team, uh, the guy that's going to come in and I think immediately change the culture there in Cincinnati. He's going to make that team entertaining. He's going to make that team have some personality. He's going to make that team uh, have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, and then they got T. Higgins in the second round. I think this is one of the biggest steals in the draft. T. Higgins, to me, was a first-round talent. He was hurt by a lot of the workouts. A lot of people didn't think that he was very fast. But, I mean, he's just a big, bruising, physical receiver. He'll go up and get it. And I think he still has great ability uh, after catch. I think him and A.J. Green, if we can get a fully charged A.J. Green, a fully healed A.J. Green, 
even if it's just for one year, him and A.J. Green, I think T. Higgins can learn so much from him, and I think they can help out a guy like Joe Burrow, and I think that's really exciting to imagine those two together. And they also got Logan Wilson, the linebacker, in the third round. Just a bunch of value guys. They really like uh, like just taking guys with great value. So I thought the most improved award definitely deserved to go to Cincinnati Bengals. I think they go from being a team with no direction to a team with a very obvious direction into winning. And I thought that the ownership, the front office, did a very good job of flipping that narrative. Hopefully they can continue to do that. Hopefully a lot of these signings, a lot of these draft picks work out. But I think the future is bright in Cincinnati, and that's why they get my most improved award. The next superlative that we have, the next award that we have in this uh, podcast is the most likely to surprise award. So this is the team that maybe people don't see coming. People uh, maybe are writing them off or people just aren't paying attention to them. And I think that they're going to have a solid season. I think that they could surprise some people, maybe push themselves into the playoffs, maybe even be a contender. Uh, there's a couple honorable mentions before we get into that, into the actual uh, winner. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, I think, definitely have to be considered. Uh, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean are doing a tremendous job there in Buffalo, turning that team around. They have a, a tremendous defense. They went and brought in a first-run talent in A.J. Epinesa in the second round. So they continue to skip better. Buffalo Bills, I think, are a team that could surprise some people, but I think for the most part, people are no longer totally sleeping on the Bills. I think they see them as already a dark horse team that could come and, and push themselves into the playoffs, especially with the Patriots potentially falling off after losing so much, uh, losing Tom Brady. Another honorable mention is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this is a team that I think this roster is super talented. There's not a whole lot of holes on this roster. They went and got um, Michael Pittman, the big wide receiver out of USC, to fill that one need they had that of a big uh, receiver to play alongside T.Y. Hilton. So I think this is a team that could surprise some people. Phillip Rivers, hopefully he can come back and have a, a resurgent season with the Indianapolis Colts. But in uh, the final honorable mention, it's the, it's the Cardinals again. I mean, this is a young up-and-coming team. We could, I, I really think there's a chance that we could see Kyler Murray have the kind of explosion of a season like we saw with Patrick Mahomes in his second season, like, with, like what we saw with Lamar Jackson in his second season. I'm not saying he's going to win MVP, but I think uh, the more comfortable Kyler Murray gets in the NFL, I think the better he's going to get, and I'm really excited for the future of Kyler Murray. But those are just the honorable mentions. Uh, without further ado, let's jump into the most likely to surprise Joe, hit the drum roll. The Denver Broncos are my most likely to surprise. Uh, this team, I love their offseason. I love what this team did to improve. I thought they already had a pretty good roster last season. They, they had some games last year where you thought, hey, maybe this team can really uh, do some things in the future. Uh, they got what they hoped to be their franchise quarterback, Andrew Locke. Uh, this uh, this season, he's coming in uh, as the as the starter, as the number one guy, the clear cut number one guy, um, and I think they did they did a really good job of just trying to just surround that young quarterback with talent. I mean, they brought in in free agency, they brought in uh, Melvin Gordon uh, to 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 stack that that backfield that already has Philip Lindsay, a really really good dual threat. Um, running back uh, and Melvin Gordon is also a guy who can who can catch and run out the backfield so that backfield could be a really fun backfield and then you already had Cortland Sutton who's really developing into a top tier receiver a young top tier receiver in the NFL but you added to that Jerry Judy 
somebody who a lot of people thought, including myself, thought was the best receiver in the NFL draft. You have Sutton and Judy, and then in the second round, you go and get KJ Hamler, the, the wide receiver, speed wide receiver out of Penn State. So now you got some guy who can push the ball downfield, and you got two absolute beasts on the outsides uh, at the number one and two receivers uh, to to give um, Drew Locke a ton of weapons. They already have Noah Fant, who who really came into his own in his rookie season at the end of the season after struggling a little bit early on. But this offense all of a sudden looks extremely loaded. I mean, they they have some potential still problems um, at at the offensive line. They did bring in Graham Glasgow in in free agency to to bolster the interior of the offensive line, but you still have um, Garrett Bowles at left tackle. That could be another question mark. I think as long as they can protect Drew Locke, they already have a, a, a pretty stacked defense. They have Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb coming off the edges. That's a t that's one of the most terrifying uh, edge rush duos in the NFL. And then this offseason, they also traded for A.J. Bouye, who, who let's, let's be honest, he did not have a spectacular season last year in Jacksonville. But maybe you get him out of that what seems to be a toxic, toxic uh, organization right now in Jacksonville. You bring him back, and maybe he can be an all-pro guy like he was uh, before um, Jacksonville seemed to really get to him. So you brought in uh, uh, A.J. Boye, who brought back Justin Simmons, who was, I think, P PFF had him ranked as a second-ranked safety last year. So that secondary is not as bad as initially uh, thought. But I think... I think you look at this team, I'm really excited for this team. I think they could surprise a lot of people. Potential things that could get in their way. I mean, you have a young quarterback. You don't know with Drew Locke. Um, obviously, we've seen young quarterbacks in their second year explode. Guys like Patrick Mahomes, guys like Lamar Jackson. But we've also seen guys uh, like Mitch Trubisky, who, who had a lot of hype going into the season and kind of fell flat. So it, really, a lot of it depends on that young quarterback and if they're able to develop him. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit harder with the no offseason, really the no training camp. Uh, it's, it looks like there's going to be no training camp because of the pandemic. But And also, I think they, they really play in a tough division. I mean, obviously, you have Patrick Mahomes in that division, who's looks like he's got a stranglehold on not only that division, but the conference and the AFC for years to come. Uh, the Chiefs definitely improved a lot. Uh, and I think that getting through... Patrick Mahomes getting through the Kansas City Chiefs is going to be a tough task. And then you also have teams like the Chargers. The Chargers, I think, have a fantastic roster. I really like the Los Angeles Chargers roster. To me, it just comes down to the quarterback position. Um, if they can find somebody capable of of managing the game, of being a good enough quarterback. And then you also have a team in the Raiders who I think could be a little frisky this year, could could make some noise. So I think they have a tough division. But but overall, I, I, really, I really like this team to surprise a lot of people coming up this NFL season. And now on to the third superlative that we have. Um, and it is the most likely to disappoint. And I've got to say that I really hope there are no schools, no high schools putting most likely to to disappoint in their yearbooks, uh, because that would be a really depressing superlative to have for a high school student. But here at the Average Joe Football Show, uh, we are going to have most likely to disappoint. We're, we're trying to be brutally honest with these teams. Um, some of them will disappoint this year. Some of them will exceed expectations. However, you know, if you have winners, you got to have losers. And I think uh, there are some teams that seem to me to be prime to disappoint. Some honorable mentions, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think a lot of people just expect this team to fall flat. I mean, there's a lot of hype around this team. 
uh, obviously with signing Tom Brady, with bringing in Rob Gronkowski, uh, with uh, drafting Tristan Wirfs in the first round. They already have Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin. They have a ton of talent. I mean, and that defense is no slouch either. Uh, but I, to me, I, I think this team, I think this team is going to succeed. Uh, a lot of people obviously hate Tom Brady, so they want to say that uh, the Tampa Buccaneers are going to disappoint. But they are not my most likely to disappoint. Another final honorable mention is the Dallas Cowboys, um, another team with a ton of hype on that, especially on that offensive side of the ball. They brought in C.D. Lamb um, to already bolster that extremely talented offense that they have in Dallas. Uh, a lot of people kind of like the Tom Brady thing. People just hate the Dallas Cowboys, so they think that this is going to be a team that's going to disappoint every year. And they could. I could definitely see the Dallas Cowboys disappointing. They don't play uh, in, in the worst division uh, in football this year, I think. I think last year they definitely did, but I think this year that, that division will be improved because I think the Eagles will be better coming up this year. I think the Eagles could give them a run for their money, but uh, they are not my most likely to disappoint. My mostly, most likely to disappoint goes to drumroll please the Miami Dolphins uh, and this this really hurts my heart uh, as a Miami Dolphins fan uh, I've been a Miami Dolphins fan my whole life this hurts my heart I really really like the offseason that they had this year um, I like I said earlier I really think that they improved I thought they did a good job bringing in talent uh, improving what was a talent poor roster last year and I really like where this team is going in the future with Brian Flores I thought Brian Flores did a tremendous job with what he had to work with last year which was not a lot and but that's kind of why I think that this team is primed to disappoint this team won five games last year and everybody was singing their praises everybody was singing Brian Flores praises uh, he's not gonna have that this year there's not gonna be people cheering for you when you win five games this year I think there's there's expectations on this team now and this team is still a, a tremendously young team so much young talent on this team so much young players so much young leaders uh, and that can be hard uh, initially to 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 build a winning uh, team and when your whole team is as young as this Dolphins team is and I think the the expectations this year are gonna be okay we need to take a step up from that five wins but you know, last year, I think a lot of things just went right for this team, and they didn't play the toughest of schedules. I thought the AFC East had a fairly easy schedule last year. Uh, a lot of the wins they got were not against uh, all that impressive teams. They got a win against Cincinnati. They got a win against the Jets. Um, they beat the Eagles, who, you know, were not all that great last year. Then, obviously, they beat the Patriots uh, in Foxborough there in Week 17. Um, the Patriots were not as good as they usually are last year. And I think, you know, Fitz, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzmagic had a tremendous, tremendous year last year. Some might argue he was the best quarterback in that division. I would argue he was the best quarterback in that division. He balled out at times last year. But we've seen this with Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick. It's one year he'll play at a, at a near Pro Bowl level, and the next year he'll disappoint. So we kind of have the Fitz tragic factor here in Miami. Will he be Fitzmagic again for another season, or will he be Fitz tragic? Uh, I think if he is fits tragic, I think we could see the Dolphins definitely uh, fall off. And I think if you look at the AFC East this year, they have a really, really tough schedule. I think the Dolphins have, according to uh, NFL.com, the third hard, hardest schedule, third hardest strength of schedule this year. I mean, they, they don't play an easy schedule. They have to play, they have to go on the road and play teams like the Cardinals, who are an up and coming team, 
play teams like the 49ers, like the Broncos, who we just talked about as being a much improved team. Um, and then they have coming into their building, they have they have teams like like the Rams, who are who are not going to be an easy easy out, uh, despite having a disappointing year last year. I thought they're I think they're still a very talented team. Um, and they have they have teams like the Chargers and the Chiefs coming into Hard Rock Stadium, uh, and the Seahawks. Seahawks are good every year. I mean, this this schedule is brutal. You look at the AFC East. The whole uh, division has a really tough schedule this year, and I think it's prime for Miami to really disappoint this year. Uh, and and I think the expectations are going to be high. I'm trying to lower my expectations as a fan to not be expecting uh, an eight-win season, not be expecting nine, ten, a playoff season. I think this team is still too young. I think this team is still too inexperienced to get to that next level. But you know, I think if the uh, if they can improve, show improvements this year, maybe have. Um, Tuatongo Vailoa learn this year, have this be a learning year, and then next year, hopefully, really see tremendous improvement. But I don't see it happening this year. I don't see the Miami Dolphins becoming this borderline playoff team this year. I think they're going to disappoint a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to have bad takes putting the Miami Dolphins as a potential wild card team. Now moving on to everybody's favorite award. This is the award that I always wanted to get in class. Um, and this is the Class Clown Award. This is the award, the superlative for the, the guy in the class that makes, the guy or girl in the class that makes everybody laugh. That's always a goof. Um, that is always messing around. And we're giving this award to a team that everybody was laughing at this offseason. Uh, who, you know, maybe we're not laughing at with, with them like most people would uh, do with the Class Clown. But we are, we are laughing at them. And I think there's a couple honorable mentions. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are definitely... An honorable mention for Class Clown. Um, a lot of people thought that their draft was quite laughable. They went and got um, Jalen Rager in the first round, speed wide receiver. Not a terrible pick, but Justin Jefferson was still on the board, who a lot of people thought is a better receiver, uh, more versatile receiver than Jalen Rager. And then they also went and traded for Marquise Goodwin, who's essentially the same player as Jalen Rager. And then they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, which is a super questionable decision. But maybe, maybe, just maybe that turns out to be a good decision and you know with with Carson Wentz constantly being injured uh, maybe it could be a good decision but right now they're definitely an honorable mention for the class clown this year second team up is a is the Green Bay Packers this is a team that I chewed out last week on the draft recap uh, podcast I a lot of people laughing at the Green Bay Packers they went out in the first round instead of helping out a team that was in the NFC championship last year they got a quarterback uh, a backup quarterback and they drafted zero wide receivers to help Aaron Rodgers out. So that's definitely a laughable, laughable offseason. But to me, I think most of you probably know where we're going with this. this. is a team that we've had a lot of laughs at the expense of a team that we've made fun of quite a bit on this on this show. And a lot of people have made fun of this NFL offseason. So let's get the drum roll going. Here we go. The Houston Texans are our 2020 NFL offseason class clown. I mean, this is obvious. Uh, they traded their best receiver, one of the best receivers in the NFL, for essentially nothing. They got David Johnson and some some subpar picks. Uh, David Johnson, who essentially has no knees anymore, can't even play. I mean, maybe he can. Maybe they see something in David Johnson that, that the rest of us don't. But I think his best years are behind him. And then they traded for Brandon Cooks, a guy who's had... Uh, about as many concussions, I think, as you can possibly have without them amputating your head. I mean, my goodness gracious, this guy has, it seems like he's had 
a concussion every month since he's been in the NFL, and he's been traded just as many times. Uh, and then you brought in Randall Cobb, I guess. Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb are supposed to replace what DeAndre Hopkins was. And now you have a bunch of speedy, smaller receivers in your, in your, uh, on your roster. Uh, doesn't really replace DeAndre Hopkins, in my opinion. I think this, this offseason was definitely bad for the Houston Texans organization. Definitely bad for head coach slash GM Bill O'Brien. Everybody was laughing at this dude. He looks like a complete madman. He looks like a complete psycho. Everybody's laughing at the Houston Texans right now. Uh, and that's why they're the class clown. This is the, this, this is the team that everybody was laughing at. Uh, they're a little bit of comedic relief. That's NFL offseason, something that we've, you know, we've really needed. So thank you, Houston. Thank you, Bill O'Brien, for giving us a little laughter in this tough time, for giving us some uh, punching bag, giving us somebody to make fun of uh, during this NFL offseason. And listen, I think that the Texans could still have a good season. I think they still have a decent roster. Obviously, Deshaun Watson is a budding, budding star in the in the uh, NFL. I think he's a fantastically fun player to watch. Um, the Houston Texans could still be good, but this offseason, I, I don't think it helped them whatsoever. I'm, they could still be a playoff team, but I don't think that this uh, it will be because of this offseason. I think they definitely took a step down. I think they definitely got worse. Not, and not only did they lose DeAndre Hopkins, they also lost a guy like DJ Reader in the interior defensive line, who was one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. So, you know, you know, uh, I think the Houston Texans could still be good this year, but uh, at this point, everybody's laughing at them. So there you go, Houston Texans. Congratulations, you guys are the class clown of the 2020 NFL offseason. On to the next NFL 2020 offseason superlative, and this is a fun one. This one is the most likely to be picking Trevor Lawrence number one in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Trevor Lawrence is has been the projected number one pick in the 2021 draft for really almost back to when he was in high school. I mean, this kid's a prodigy. He's been in the golden boy. He's he's got the long hair. He's got the look. He's he's six foot seven. He's he looks like a franchise quarterback and he plays like a franchise quarterback. He came onto the scene in in Clemson um, in his first season. Uh, as a starter, as a freshman, Kelly Bryant started a few games, but then when they went and switched to um, Trevor Lawrence, he really just balled out as a freshman. And last year was a little bit of a down year, but still played phenomenal. Uh, he took his team back to the national championship after having won it as a true freshman against Alabama. Uh, they lost last season to LSU, but I mean, this kid's got all the talent in the world. He's projected number one pick. So, you know, whatever team... Uh, is losing this year whatever team um, is going to have the number one pick you know it's going to be sad it's going to be a sad season for this team uh, that gets this superlative but I think in the end the fans will see this light at the end of the tunnel and that's the golden boy sunshine Trevor Lawrence and there's a couple honorable mentions teams that I could see with the number one pick the number uh, the the pick that's going to take Trevor Lawrence uh, honorable mentions are the Washington Redskins um, this is a team that you know um I don't know if I completely trust Dwayne Haskins. I don't know how you can completely trust Dwayne Haskins if he's even going to be the starter this season. We don't even know that yet uh, with Ron Rivera coming in there and being the new head coach. But I think that I, I trust Ron Rivera enough as a head coach to, to coach his team up to not be the worst team in football. I don't think they'll have the number one overall pick. They could be in contention for that, but I, I trust Ron Rivera to be a good enough coach. And then you have another team, the Chicago Bears. Obviously, Mitch Trubisky didn't get his fifth year often picked up. Uh, I doubt Nick Foles is in the future plans there in Chicago. This could be a team that could have a disappointing season and end up with a number one pick. 
and get the future franchise quarterback. Another team, the New England Patriots, have been thrown around there as a team that could potentially be tanking for Trevor Lawrence. I think that's ridiculous. I don't think Bill, uh, Bill Belichick would be caught dead tanking. I think the guy loves winning, and the guy has won so much in his life. He's not tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, they could end up with him. You know, maybe this team just, you know, they're not a very talented They don't have a ton of talent, uh, but it's kind of the same sense as Ron Rivera, but even to a higher caliber because Bill Belichick is such a tremendous coach. I don't think this team is going to have the worst record, but they're definitely an honorable mention. Final honorable mention before we get into the award is the Detroit Lions. This is a team with a lot of guys on the hot seat, a lot of um, guys that need to prove themselves this year. Matt Patricia, uh, the GM, uh, uh, Bob Quinn also needs to prove himself this uh, season. This could be a team that I think either could be a borderline wildcard team or could be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, I think that those are the extremes with this team. So, But without further ado, let's just get right into the most likely to be picking Trevor Lawrence, number one overall in the 2020 NFL draft. Hit the drum roll. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the most likely to be picking number one in the 2020 NFL draft. Um, this team... Uh, Another team that I've talked quite a bit of crap about on the podcast so far. Uh, it's crazy to see how far they've come or how far they haven't come since being uh, in the AFC Championship. Just a few years prior to this, um, they were competing to potentially be in the Super Bowl, just about in the Super Bowl. They're a quarter away from being in the Super Bowl, beating the Patriots, going to the Super Bowl, play the Eagles. And now they've, I mean, this is one of the most talent poor rosters in the NFL. This is a team that... I just I don't see the silver lining. I, I feel bad for Gardner Minshew. He's a guy that I really like. I, I thought he played tremendously well last year for a sixth-round rookie. I don't think he gets nearly as much attention for his actual play as he does for the antics that he has with the headband and, and the mustache and everything. He was a tremendous quarterback for a sixth-round rookie last year. I think if, if, if Sam Darnold or Josh Allen played uh, or, or, or Baker Mayfield played like Gardner Minshew did last year, I mean, people would be losing their minds in saying about the potential of these players. But Gardner Minshew, I don't think, gets nearly as much credit as he deserves. But I think he's just in a tough situation this year. I think it's going to be hard for, for him to, to get wins on this team. Uh, obviously, they're not picking up Andy Dalton. So it seems like it's going to be uh, either Gardner Minshew or maybe they go in and sign a guy like Cam Newton uh, later on this offseason. But, I mean, this there's a ton of drama going on in this team. Obviously, Leonard Fournette. Uh, is is potentially going to be tra traded or released. I don't think he's going to be traded, like I said earlier. I don't think he'll be on the day one roster. Yannick Ngakwe still wants to be traded. Uh, this People want out on this team. Uh, I, th I think the culture is bad. I think Doug Marone is on the hot seat. And I think whenever you have a new coach, that new coach uh, oftentimes wants to bring in his own quarterback, bring in his own guy. So I could see this team starting off 0-5, 0-6, and maybe starting to just tank just just ride it out ride it out realizing that brighter days are ahead with Trevor Lawrence but I think this team has a lot of work to do I think it's going to be a, a, t a tough season for them they're not in an easy division either I mean they have the Texans Colts and Titans uh, all three I think have the capability of being playoff teams obviously the Titans and Texans were playoff teams last year and I think the Colts will be better than they were last year I mean I just don't see very many wins for this Jacksonville Jaguars team that's why I think that they're going to get the ultimate prize. You know, people want to say the Super Bowl is the ultimate prize. Yeah, sure, Super Bowl is the ultimate prize. But, you know, secondary to that, you know, the the ultimate 
second prize, the second ultimate prize, I guess, however you want to say it, would be Trevor Lawrence. And I think Jacksonville is going to be lucky slash unlucky enough to end up with Trevor Lawrence. Going into our next superlative, this is uh, n another not very positive one. <laughs> this is one that I would hope, again, that would not be in uh, in a yearbook at a high school or wherever. Uh, this is the most likely to fall off. Basically what this award is, is I'm going to take a team that won their division last year and I'm going to say which team that do I think is most likely to no, no longer be a division winner this next year. Uh, there's a few obvious ones. The Houston Texans, who we talked about earlier, as an honorable mention, um, they're a team that I don't think that they got better. I think their, their division continues to get better. They have two really tough opponents to face in the Titans and the Colts th this season. I think I could definitely see the Texans falling off and not being a division winner. And also the Philadelphia Eagles, who barely by the skin of their teeth won the division last year in what was an absolutely brutal division. Um, I could definitely see them falling off, and I think I kind of I kind of went away from what I was supposed to do with his award. You know, it's supposed to be most likely to fall off. I didn't do that. I kind of went with a surprise team. So I'm already breaking the rules, but it's my podcast, so I can do whatever the heck I want. Um, <laughs> but my team for the most likely to fall off as division leader, uh, as division winner is, hit the drum roll, The San Francisco 49ers, and this is definitely going to be a controversial pick. Uh, don't get me wrong, this San Francisco 49ers team is still a tremendously good team, tremendously talented team. They have probably the best defensive line in football still. They went and replaced um, DeForest Buckner with Javon Kinlaw, one of the best defensive interior defensive linemen in the draft. So the defensive line is still going to be extremely strong. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan's a tremendous coach who can scheme up some really fantastic things. Uh, and, and do great things but to me you look at you look at the this division I mean this division continues to get better the Seahawks are always competitive I think the Seahawks uh, are a team that is going to push just like they did last year nearly winning that division over the 49ers I think they're going to push the 49ers to the brink a couple times like they did last year and then you have the Cardinals who are up and coming uh, I, the Cardinals are definitely no slouch uh, this uh, this upcoming year I think that they could be uh, could be a team that that is on the up and up with a lot of the young players that they have. And then you have the Rams who, who definitely should not be overlooked. They did have a down year last year, but people are just kind of forgetting how good of a coach that Sean McVay is. I know this team has lost a lot. They lost Todd Gurley uh, and, and they don't have uh, a, a ton of, of draft capital. They don't have a ton of, of cap space left, but the, the actual talent on this roster is still really good. So I think that division could be one of the best divisions in football. And then you, you factor in the fact that the 49ers could have a potential for a Super Bowl hangover. We see this a lot with teams who go and lose in the Super Bowl. We saw it with uh, the Falcons a couple years back. And we see it a lot with teams that uh, that lose in the Super Bowl. Even sometimes teams that win in the Super Bowl go on and to have a very disappointing year. We saw it with the Rams last uh, last year who didn't even make the playoffs last year after losing in the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, it's that factor where I think teams aren't as motivated the next season during the regular season when they've already worked so hard to get to, to the Super Bowl, uh, I think the regular season just doesn't feel as important to players like that anymore. So I definitely could see 49ers falling off and no longer being the number one team in that division this year. And I have written in my notes, I don't love this pick. I don't love my pick for the most likely to fall off. I think the 49ers could definitely come back and 
and bite me in the butt on this one. I think that they could be a spectacular team like they were last year and could be right back in the Super Bowl. But uh, I think also just as likely they could not win the division because there's a lot of talent in that division. Moving on to the final uh, really important award, uh, the important support superlative. This is the one that everybody wants in school. This is the one that gets given to the popular kid. This is the one that gets given to the prom queen, the prom king. Uh, and it's most likely to succeed. Basically, I'm taking the team that is my Super Bowl favorite right now. Obviously, we don't know a whole lot. Uh, it's still the offseason. We're still quite a ways away from the season starting. But I'm going to give you guys my team most likely to win the Super Bowl this upcoming season. And a few honorable mentions. Uh, like I said, <laughs> even though I just pegged them as um, most likely to fall off, the 49ers, I think, could definitely be considered here. They didn't get too much worse. Uh, I think their division just got better. So you could definitely have them in here. And obviously the defending Super Bowl champs, you have to put them in there. I don't have them as my winner, though. I, I, I think that they they didn't get uh, tremendously better. I thought that they improved at a few positions, but I think there's still a lot of holes on that defense. Obviously, with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, kind of covers up any potential holes that you have on defense. But uh, to me, uh, there's one team that just stands tall. It stands out as my Super Bowl favorite going into the season, my most likely to succeed and it is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this is another team that I feel like had a tremendous offseason. Uh, they picked up Calais Campbell uh, to, to bolster that defense. Uh, and this team already just had so few holes. I mean, they have so much talent on offense and on defense. Then the draft, they went and got linebacker Patrick Queen to fill up the one hole they really had. And that was that linebacker position. And you get a potential blue chip guy to come in there and, and fill that hole. That defense could be scary next year. And then you got running back J.K. Dobbins um, in the second round. This is somebody that could pair really nicely with uh, with uh, Mark Ingram and what is what was a, a really great running game last year with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. Um, and then you got Justin Matabuke, a defensive tackle who a lot of people thought slid really far down the draft board. Uh, you got him to come in there and, and play alongside potentially Calais Campbell on, on what could be a really, really good defensive line this upcoming season. And and to me, there's just there's so few weaknesses on this roster. I mean, you, you genuinely look, even at positions like kicker and punter, they have two of the best kickers and punters in the NFL. I mean, this team is just loaded. Uh, NFL.com had their draft class as the number one rated draft class in, uh, in the 2020 NFL draft. I mean, uh, uh um, Ozzie Newsom really did a good job training up Derek, Eric DaCosta, the new GM there in Baltimore. He's It really seems like he's playing chess while the rest of the NFL is playing checkers. This team has so much talent, and I think they, they could have a potentially special season coming up. Uh, they have a tremendous coach, obviously, in John Harbaugh, and that's why they're my pick for the most likely to succeed. And before we end the show, we're just going to go through some real quick um, final speed round of superlatives. These are just a few that I had written down that I didn't have a whole lot of commentary on. So quick speed round. We have the most dramatic team in the NFL. That goes to the Green Bay Packers. Obviously a ton of drama there with the whole Jordan Love situation and potentially Aaron Rodgers not uh, being a big fan of the new head coach, Matt LaFleur. Next up, we have the most boring, and that goes to the New England Patriots. Um, I mean, 
if Jared Stidham really is a starter here, I don't see this being a very entertaining team. Even if they are winning more games than we're expecting, I don't see a lot of entertainment coming from that team. Next up is the most fun, the polar opposite. And what are the odds the most fun goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Whether this team is good or not, they're going to be fun. I mean, they're going to, they have Rob Gronkowski, who is always fun. And then they have just so much talent. And, and you have the Tom Brady factor. Is he going to play well still into his into his mid-40s on that team? So that team is definitely going to be fun to watch. They're going to they're have a load of primetime games. I'm looking forward to that team. Next, you have the hottest seats, the hottest butts. This is, this is uh, a team that I think has guys that really are feeling heat uh, that are might be fired if, if they're not having a good season. That goes to the Detroit Lions. I think Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. If they don't have a good season this year, they're both out. And I think they're starting over there in Detroit. And I think Matthew Stafford could also be out. So three guys potentially with hot hot butts, hot seats. Uh, next up is the most irrelevant. And that goes to the New York Giants. This is a team that I kind of forgot that exists right now. I mean, yeah, I don't have much to say about the New York Giants. Uh, they're kind of, they could go in the most boring category. Daniel Jones, I guess, has potential. Uh, he's not a very entertaining quarterback. I don't think I see the Giants making much noise whatsoever this year. So I have them as the most irrelevant. Uh, next up is the best dressed. This goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. I thought their new uniforms are, oh, so sexy, so beautiful. Love the new uniforms, sleek. All of them look tremendous. Um, they are definitely the best dressed. And then we move straight to worst dressed, our final superlative here in the speed round. And that goes to the Atlanta Falcons. You guys know how I feel about their uniforms. They're butt ugly. They're terrible. I hate them so much. I can't believe they went and uh, took a, a uniform with so much potential that some of the coolest colors in the NFL and created just terrible, terrible uniforms. But yeah, that wraps up our super superlatives. I hope you guys had fun. I know I did. This was definitely a, a fun show for me uh, going through just kind of uh, being more relaxed, not, not talking too much about super in-depth things. We're not going too in-depth on some of these teams, some of these drafts or whatever. Uh, just sort of a fun uh, show. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter uh, and on Instagram at underscore average Joe show. Um, continue to support us. Uh, we're uploading the shows now on Spotify and potentially a a Apple Podcasts. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, this podcast is on um, those platforms, moving away from SoundCloud, moving towards those um, platforms. Really, really excited for that. I think it'll be a lot easier to access so yeah, don't forget to follow the show. And if you have any questions or comments or you just want to have a conversation about the show or about football, you can also email um, me at, at uh, <clears throat> goodness gracious, at um, the average Joe uh, show pod uh, at gmail.com. So make sure you guys do that. Again, thank you guys so much for listening in. We have a lot of really exciting content coming for you guys, uh, potential new projects that I'm working on, new series that I'm working on for the podcast. So you know, things are not going to slow down too much for us here at the Average Joe Football Show. But until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.